Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When Karen Devonis' son Matthew was eight years old, she noticed he rolled his eyes a lot. Not disrespectfully, but constantly, like he couldn't help it. Devonis says it reminded her of a Ferris wheel, up, right, down, left, over and over again. Matthew's pediatrician said it was a nervous tick and that he would outgrow it in a couple of years. Nothing to be concerned about. But over the next three years, her son's ticks evolved to include a few more concerning habits wrist rolling, like, you know, when kids make a motorcycle sound, vroom, vroom, was kind of that type of wrist rolling, licking, nose scratching, hip grinding, but just really escalated. And every time he went back to the pediatrician and brought up a new symptom, she always had some reason to excuse it as developmentally normal. Debonis is a self-described people pleaser. She's uncomfortable with conflict, especially when it comes to confronting medical professionals. She had to learn the hard way how to be outspoken when it comes to demanding extra medical attention for her son. I finally, I'm not sure if there was one particular trigger, but I kept asking the pediatrician, well, can we have a referral to OT and PT, you know, occupational and physical therapy? Maybe that will help. And she had an excuse for that. And well, can we do this and we can do that? And finally, I just said, we have to have something. I wasn't even sure what to suggest, but we need a step further. And she finally acquiesced by giving us a referral to a neurologist. And what she said to me was, I think you need this for your state of mind. In other words, my son's behaviors weren't the problem. I was the problem. Dubonis was the victim of medical gaslighting, which is when healthcare professionals don't take your symptoms seriously. She writes about her experience and how she learned to stand up for herself in her memoir growth, a mother, her son, and the brain tumor they survived. Yes, that's right. The weird tics deemed normal by his pediatrician were actually symptoms of a brain tumor. Dr. Stacy Rosen says gaslighting happens often in the medical world, especially when it comes to women and minorities. Gaslighting is that feeling in medical gaslighting that as a patient, that you are not being appropriately heard, you know, appropriately evaluated by a clinician, that your symptoms or concerns are being minimized. It is often in a feeling of being belittled and made smaller, less important, and being devalued with regard to your complaints to a clinician. 
Rosen is the senior vice president of the Katz Institute for Women's Health and the Partners Council Professor of Cardiology and Women's Health at the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra University, Northwell Health. She says that when a patient feels like they're not being properly helped, they need to speak up, even if it makes for an uncomfortable conversation. Tell the clinician, you know, listen, I'm not feeling heard. You know, I know this may sound like I'm complaining about something irrational, but I have a sixth sense that something really isn't right. I'm wondering if you think an x-ray would be a good idea. I'm wondering if you think a second opinion would be a good idea. And, you know, many of us are still a bit of an awkward conversation. So I do recommend, uh, you know, bringing someone else with you. I do recommend practicing those questions. You know, Dr. Rosen, I'm not really sure you're hearing me today. What's your thoughts on a stress test? Rosen says patients need to show up to their doctor's appointments well prepared. Be as prepared as you can chronically. Own your medical data. Write down your questions. Maximize the use of the time. Bring someone with you. But then when you're in a situation where you really fear that you're not being heard and not being acknowledged for your concerns, to really somewhat assertively, respectfully, bring that to bear. Start that conversation. I joke that women would fire a hairdresser, you know, after a single bad haircut Yet I know too many women, patients, colleagues, who will go to the same doctor, even though the relationship is not satisfactory. Rosen welcomes conversations with her patients who confront her about their medical care. I particularly love those conversations. I'm with a long-term patient of mine. We're deciding about a procedure versus not. And honestly, I know she is dying, you know, everybody's favorite question, what would you do, doctor? What would you do if I were your family member? Rather than give that answer, I think she and I are both finding this whole decision more sophisticated, more fruitful, more likely to be a satisfactory outcome that we talk it out rather than me telling her what to do or her not listening to any of the input that I would have. I find it to be a much more enjoyable way to practice, honestly. But not every physician may feel the same way. Debonis says that if speaking up doesn't work, there are other ways to be taken seriously and get the medical attention you need. I would also not be afraid to go over the doctor's head, to call if the appointment happened and I was being gaslighted or calls were not being returned, asked to speak to a practice manager or someone higher up and take it up the system. Are there doctors and medical organizations and just file a complaint if I had to? When Devonis finally saw Matthew's MRI, she was horrified. It looked like a black hole had taken over part of his brain. Though it was benign, the tumor clinging to her son's brainstem was inoperable. It blocked the flow of cerebral spinal fluid. And while Matthew received surgery to drain the fluid, the tumor remained. Today, as an adult, Matthew still suffers from periodic episodes of physical and emotional distress. Debonis wonders if his condition would be less severe if he'd received treatment sooner. In the last couple of years finalizing my manuscript, I kind of struggled with where does blame fall and who bears responsibility? And I found this great quote. It's by an Indian philosopher, Papa Jay or Rumi, sometimes he's called. And it's, if you're acting like a sheep, do not blame the shepherd. And so I feel like I was acting like a sheep. I let them lead me around. I followed them. So I feel like I was complicit in what happened. And yet I also know that the pediatrician at some point just 
stop listening. She just closed me off and tuned me out. So I feel like all the adults in my son's life could have done better. Debonis' book, Growth, is available now online and in bookstores. You can find more information about Karen DeBonis, Dr. Stacy Rosen, and all of our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.org. For more behind the scenes, follow Radio Health Journal on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our writer-producer this week is Polly Hansen. Our lead producer is Kristen Farah. Our production manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. This segment is brought to you by Capital One. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. The social perception is that they're not committed or perhaps not skilled enough in just one. And so they're compensating by having a second or third job. A deeper look into the gig economy. Then how to cope with the loss of a parent this Father's Day. It's okay to sit with those feelings. It is okay to accept that you're having a crappy day. It's okay to be sad. It's okay. You're not taking anything away from anyone else. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. They have evolved to be able to interact with us in ways that they can tell us, I'm hungry or I want to get out of this room. Understanding the evolution of the furry felines we love. Then... They're not on the radar screen of teachers and parents because they're more dreamy. They seem oftentimes to get not in trouble as much. Gaining a better understanding of ADHD. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.